Welcome to the Modern Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Parsons. I'm a certified holistic health coach, intuitive eating specialist, and health at every size advocate. Cozy up with me each week for empowering conversations with ambitious women as we share real stories around our relationships with food, body, and moving through life in the modern world. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome to the show. I am so excited about this interview, this conversation. My guest today is going to light up your day. So get ready. And my heart is so full. I actually just finished recording our conversation and I'm doing this intro now. So literally smiling as I am speaking to you because my guest, Heather K. Brown, and I go way, way back to my days at Urban Outfitters. So if you followed my career journey at all, you you may or may not know my first job out of college was at the Urban Outfitters headquarters in Philadelphia. And that's where I met Heather. She was a designer on the women's design team. I worked in the fabric research and development department. And so we worked together there. And I just have this vivid memory of Heather split jumping around our office and high kicking and having this smile on her face all the time. And to date stands out as one of the most confident women that I have ever met in my life. And you'll see that too when you hear her speak in our interview today. Um, she is just, she's one of those exceptional women that you look at and think, I want what she's having. How do I get that? And one of the things that I really appreciate in Heather's body image story and just her expression in this conversation is the background and how she built this confidence and where this really comes from. And so that's something that she and I talked about specifically. We also talked about her, her confidence and how that really played a part in her career and the work that she does now, how she got her start in the fashion industry, um, and how that led to her opening up her own business. The reason why I love Heather so much is because she is so mission-driven. She is so passionate. She is so confident and positive and intentional. And even though we haven't been in each other's lives actively since those days at Urban Outfitters, which was honestly like 10 years ago, I followed her journey on social media. She's followed mine. And so... She was somebody that I had on my dream guest list to have on this show to have a conversation with, and I'm just so grateful that we finally got the chance to do it. Let me tell you a little bit about Heather so you can get to know her before we jump in. After 16 years of designing for companies such as PacSun, Abercrombie & Fitch, and Urban Outfitters, Heather decided to pursue her dream of creating a swim brand that focuses on sustainability and body positivity. She created Night Dive Swim to help spread self-confidence and empower women to love themselves and their bodies. Using only unretouched photography and showcasing women of different sizes and shapes, she has made the mission of her brand to be a champion for self-love and inclusivity. You're going to love this brand. You're going to love Heather. This conversation was different from a lot of conversations that we have had on this show so far because we really got into action steps that we can take 
as it relates to body diversity, body inclusivity, um, creating change within bigger companies and where we can play a part in, in making that change happen. As a business owner, as somebody who has a mission to, to disrupt the fashion industry and create more opportunity for women of all shapes and sizes and abilities and colors, um, Heather really comes to this conversation with some solid tools and takeaways and advice that I think will land really well with you. She's also so fun to listen to. And her story is awesome. I loved getting to know her in this way. I've never sat down and had a conversation like, like this with her before. And so it was such a privilege. And I'm just beyond grateful for her truth and her vulnerability and the mission that she has stepped into with the work that she does. Um, I highly encourage you to follow her on Instagram, check out her shop, buy her stuff, support, support her and get to know her, fall in love with her in this conversation. Um, and all of that will be in the show notes. I hope that you enjoy. I hope that you have a great week. And if this conversation doesn't make you feel a little bit happier or more confident, let me know on Instagram so that we can change that in some way. Uh, it, I would be willing to bet that you will have a brighter day after listening to my lovely guest, Heather K. Brown. Heather K. Brown. Girl. <laughs> Hello. I am so excited if you can tell. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I think we should just go ahead and give everybody a little preface of why we're both geeking out. <laughs> so Heather and I worked together at Urban Outfitters, got it like 10 years ago, right? Something, like something wild like that. Yeah, That's literally how, 10 years ago. Yes. We were on the women's <laughs> design team, which we'll get into in our conversation today, but this is literally the first time that we are reconnecting after all of this time apart and just being in each other's lives over social media. And I just, I'm so excited to catch up and so grateful to be able to record this conversation and um, share with the world. So thank you, love. Thank you for being yes. here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Mm, so good. All right, let's jump in. Uh, we always start by asking the question around your body awareness moment. So if you could just share what your first body awareness moment was and yeah. and the story behind that and and how it really impacted your body image and your relationship with food today yeah so I have so there's like just a couple little things that kind of like spark up when like you bring that up so one thing is so somebody you know in my life like when I was I was probably I mean pretty young I would say like fifth grade like pretty young um, someone would bring up, oh, if you eat cottage cheese, it goes to your thighs and becomes cottage cheese. And I was so confused. Um, being that young, I'm like, what is this person talking about? You know, so there were like little comments like that that would be made when I was younger. And I kind of like started seeing a lot of kind of diet culture. Mm -hmm. um, but luckily, I mean, I was just more... I really didn't understand at that point really like what the deal was because I was not really paying attention to 
you know, my, myself or seeing how that would reflect onto me at that point. Um, and then in high school, um, one thing that just really sticks out to me is um, I was on the dance team and cheerleading and getting costumes. Mm. Um, like I would always see myself, like I see, I see myself like same as everybody else. Like didn't really pay attention to how big my body was or how it was, if it's different from people's bodies. Like we really didn't, I was pretty lucky where we didn't really like talk about that in my friend group a lot. Um, or even, I just didn't really think about it. And then, um, you know, the coach was passing out costumes and I got like the largest one. And I was, so, I was like, so kind of taken aback, um, that like someone was seeing me in a way that I was like, wait, I'm think I'm the same. You know, I just didn't understand why I was kind of, kind of pointed out to be like a larger size at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and then luckily again it's i i was raised to have a lot of self-confidence which i'm very grateful for like my mom especially made a purpose of instilling a lot of self-confidence in me growing up mm -hmm. um and i kind of just took it as like just i'm like i'm really starting to learn that people see other people differently um and i didn't pay attention to really food then but then i went to college and that's when i noticed like after not having dance every single day or cheerleading or tennis. And it kind of became like, I'm sitting a lot and, you know, working, especially like in an art school. Um, I really noticed that's when um, my body started changing a lot to be more like I'm growing into myself more and definitely more like a woman shape, not like a high schooler. Mm. And I kind of, I didn't really struggle so much as just more like really kind of, think about, oh, like, I used to be able to, like, eat whatever I want and not care or not even think about it. And now I really saw myself thinking about, oh, gosh, like, I am so, like, I'm different looking now. And I even, like, I came back to visit for, like, a Christmas and this guy from my hometown said, some like rude thing to me when I was out with my friends and it, I really started like it didn't damage my self-confidence but it definitely like hurt my feelings because I was like wait I thought I'm the same like I'm not seeing myself in a different light but um so from there I kind of went through this like time where like I drank slim fast only for breakfast you know the classic thing where I'm like oh my gosh like I need to change like mm. what's happening to me you know so mm -hmm. I it's like on the outside I was having you know I still had like the confidence but kind of on the inside I was like wait what is I felt like I wasn't really in control anymore and I didn't have the time especially in an art school that I went to it, there's not a lot of time to do like fun stuff and I didn't have money I was in California and mm -hmm. you know kind of like living penny to penny um so I was like not eating healthy food not having time or creating time or the money to go exercise at places and back then I you know that's like before iPhones where you could google like a good park to go walk in and mm -hmm. you know alone in LA kind of trying to figure things out so I kind of like struggled a little bit with you know, getting that, like, that feeling of not caring or, like, not 
like worrying about, oh gosh, like I'm kind of gaining all this weight and not understanding like, what can I do to like reel it back in? And that's when I had, so that's when I had like done the slim fast thing. So thankfully though, uh, after kind of about like a year or two of that, um, I like had graduated from college, moved to Columbus, Ohio um, for my first job designing for Abercrombie. And then that's when I really was able to kind of like get back on track with just like not caring at all and just like living my life and like kind of embracing my body at that point. So um, that kind of like little dip in self-confidence like started washing away Mm -hmm. Um, because I was kind of, I was happier. I had more time. Like um, I was able to like do things I wanted to do more often, like dance again and like I like started Pilates or, you know, like kind of was able to do more things. Um, And from there, it's really like, it's one of those things where I started like, I started embracing the fact that I was curvier than other people. And that's really when I was really seeing kind of in the fashion industry, um, how it kind of is skewed towards smaller, smaller size people like back then. And um, kind of like the inspiration that would eventually lead me to where I'm at now started like started back then um, with you know trying to be more of an activist for body positivity and showing women of all different sizes rather than just focusing on like the smallest size and which is what you know back in the fashion industry days that's kind of what we did so that's yeah. kind of just a little tidbit yeah so. so- so great. I the first question that I have that really stands out to me from your story is I want to hear more about the confidence that your mom instilled in you growing up. What yeah. did that look like? What were some of the practices that she was teaching? How was she modeling that kind of behavior for you? Because when I think about when I think about you, Heather, and I mentioned this before we actually started recording, I just think of this like ball of sunshine, magnetic confidence, (laughs) where you're totally one of those people where people look at you and think like, damn, like, I want what she has. What, how do you, like, how do you get that type of confidence? And I think that's so, that's so powerful, um, being able to really tie that back to how you were raised. And and so what did that look like when you were growing up from your mother? How did she actually teach you that? Well, yeah. And that's like such a, it's like one of those things where I don't, it's not just like, it wasn't one thing. It was kind of just the way she treated it. So, you know, I, you know, I came from, you know, parents that got divorced. So I had like kind of two different lives growing up. So, um, and she, she had even told me, you know, when I'm older, like when I was older, how when she was growing up, she didn't have a lot of self-confidence, which is why she was so driven to make sure that her kids had like an abundance of it. Right. So I think it came from honestly, like we, we, we did not talk about, which I mean, maybe this isn't a great thing, but it's like, we didn't talk about weight and we didn't talk about watching calories or, you know, when we ate food, we like, enjoyed ourselves it was like happy time it wasn't like a very serious watch what you eat like make sure you're not eating too much of this or that it was just like so the like my with her like our our life with food was not like a stressful one it was kind of just like a 
you know, you're eating and we're not, it's not like you're thinking or overthinking it. Yeah. Um, so kind of the, the relationship with food with her was like, it's enjoyable. It's fun. Like it's a happy time and like, no, like not a stress kind of situation. And on top of that, she, I mean, made a point to, you know, always be complimentary and always like build you up, um, based on, you know, like your grades or your talent or, you know, and then of course, like saying like on the outside, like, oh, your pretty hair or your eyes or, you know, so it was like one of these things where it was always like compliment all the time, like, Mm -hmm. and really like building you up in every aspect, whether it was from dancing or from like playing instruments or anything like she was always just very complimentary um also on top of that she got me into salt and pepper when I was a kid which is like the most confident women right to look up to (laughs) 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 no you know so it was just like one of these things where it was like not one thing it was more just like the way she like lived with us was like a way to like always just like raise us up and always lifting up like never cracking down or never you know nothing no no negativity is basically the way I would say it oh my god what a gift and so yeah 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 well and where do you since since you mentioned that she struggled with self-confidence have you guys ever talked about this before was this like a conscious decision that your mom made on her part to really yeah yeah yeah, it was comfortable really talking about that a little bit. Like, what was her problem yeah. with that? Because this is really like, where so I, breaking the cycle of body shaming and yeah. unhealthy relationships with food can can yeah. play a huge role. Just the lineage. So, yeah, what was that? Yeah. What was that like for your mom? Well, for her, I know. Um, like growing up, she she didn't have a lot of self confidence. Probably like she didn't have someone building her up. Like growing up, right. And then, I mean, I know, like, with, an, like, early relationships, she was with somebody that she was, like, dieting for, mm. and would, like, that person just never seemed happy with her weight, or would be like, oh, if you lost five more pounds, you'd be perfect. Mm. So, things like that were what happened to her, and she, like thank goodness, you know, she kind of flipped it around and was like, I don't want that to ever happen to my children or, you know, people in my life. And so she, I really, I don't know. I don't know what flipped the switch. I don't know if it was just an overnight thing, but just knowing that like things like that, she had to go through, um, you know, was what really drove her to make sure that her, her kids had a lot of confidence and like she'll make a joke nowadays where she's like oh maybe I gave you guys too much confidence and it's like obviously you can never have too much confidence but where I'm like I'm like oh I'm so this on that you know I make I'm, I definitely go over the top and but you know I'm sure she couldn't be happier and I I think because of that I would never like it taught me like I would never be with someone who didn't like love every single thing about me no matter what or like and the whole like the weight thing is just so I just can't believe that kind of stuff would happen to her you know so it's it makes me sad that she had to go through all that but at the same time she bounced back and like 
realized that that was ridiculous and kind of gained some confidence like now in her older age she's yeah. become much more confident as she's gotten older you know well I love this story because th this story is is actually pretty normal I would say most women struggle with the lack of confidence in their bodies yeah. whether it's uh it's judgments judge judgments from other people judgments they mm -hmm. have on themselves this expectation of the culture that we're living in essentially diet culture just being yes all around us in so many sneaky ways. And so the fact yeah. that your mom was able to rise above that and make that conscious decision that she was stepping out of that really is, it's remarkable. It really goes against a lot of social norms. And it's, it, it's so cool to see this play out because you're just a beautiful example of what happens when, when mothers actively choose to yeah. love their bodies and step into confidence to really model that for their children and, and all of these things. So yes. this is awesome. And I'm also curious when you were struggling with these moments, like you mentioned before, um, in high school, just having mm -hmm. that moment of being tossed the costume that kind of made you think about your oh, shape and your yeah. size. Yeah. And also moving into college and, and having these other, um, just struggles with food and body. Is that something that you yeah. were talking about with your mom or was there shame around that discussion? What, what did that look like for you when you were going through it? I just kind of, I honestly like kept that stuff definitely to myself. Like I, I mean, I'm in my older age, I've definitely been able to talk about, you know, sharing feelings a lot more, but back then I really, you know, I kind of was the type to just keep like kind of deal with that on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm sure I could have talked about anything with, you know, especially my mom, but I was, I think I was just like, and I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I was like, oh, I'm going to drink Slim Fest because it's just easier and it's cheaper. And it was, I mean, it was cheaper, but it wasn't like, like my, you know, the reasoning behind it was like, gosh, I really like what is happening? Like, how do I, you know, kind of get back into feeling like in back into my normal size body which you know there is no normal but um yeah, yeah I kind of just dealt with it on my own and then I mean thank goodness like was able to kind of snap myself out of that like moment in college and you know start embracing myself definitely more and I I mean I embraced myself then as well but there was there was more I definitely paid attention to that more during that time and then getting older. And I mean, and working in the fashion industry, I was always surrounded by, you know, like different sized people, but a lot of people were always like definitely a smaller size than I am. And again, I kind of was just like, I kind of took it and ran with it in my way of like, I've like this embracing this curviness and like, just more like exaggerated um like emphasis to it where I'm like hello like mm. people like this is amazing like everybody is amazing and why are we not making things for this kind of body too you know like yeah it was one of those things where I'm like I really was trying like to try to call attention to hey like every shape is amazing like you know yeah I want to wear I want to wear something that like is super cute too. So maybe you should expand your size range to extra large or, you know, what have you. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of went, I like, started becoming a little bit more like 
emphasizing like and bringing it up because um, I could see that there was like a lack of talking about it or and having products for people that were you know larger sizes as well how did you start that conversation especially at Abercrombie where back when you were when you were working there what year was that definitely like that was I started there in like 2004 yeah so definitely Mm -hmm. you know a time I'm sure if everybody can kind of reflect on that time there's a very specific body type that Abercrombie was yes for sure was um promoting and so where did the fierceness and that um that moment come in for you where you realize this is actually a problem and I I feel a calling to actually say something or speak out about this or do something that would become more of an an advocate in this industry? Yeah. Well, I would say it's when, so our, like, you know, the fit models then were always a size small and it's like one of those things where, okay, that's the way, way it is. But then after like a while of being there, I'm like, wait, why, why is this the way it is? Why, you know, not everybody is a size small. So I would just, you know, kind of question. And then, you know, I mean, as a young designer, you kind of are just like learning. And then as I, you know, as I grew up and got older within the company, that's when I started asking more questions of, you know, extending the size range and um, kind of like more, even like choosing to do silhouettes that could be worn by more people. Um, So it was really just more kind of trying to push it in like a, in a way that wasn't like, you know, kind of, really coming out there and bringing it up to the CEO or anything. But then when I went to um, PacSun, that's where I was really, I kind of reached my point where I was just like, this is crazy. Like I put together an, an idea for a photo shoot where we have different shapes. And that is where, I mean, I, I think a lot of my frustration comes from that particular time at PacSun because um, we did this photo shoot where we had chosen models that were slightly larger. I mean, these models still wore a size like medium and large. So, I mean, it wasn't plus size by any means um, mm-hmm. because PacSun still, I don't think still doesn't offer anything past an extra large if they even offer that. Um, but we did a, you know, a photo shoot where it's more like natural, realistic kind of more, I mean, trying to be normalizing kind of just, your everybody is a bikini body idea, right? Yeah. So we did this photo shoot um, that, you know, I put a lot of work into um, and I was on set for, I really believed in it. And I just like was so excited to like, finally, oh my gosh, we have a size large model. And, you know, we have even a medium model and like, you know, just different sizes and shapes of women. And we got back and none of the photos were ever used. And I just, all I heard was a lot of critique from the head, you know, like the head of the department um, on how bad it looked, you know? So it's one of those things where it was, that was one of the most frustrating things that I was just like, because I, at that point I was, I would like wear a size, larger, extra large, depending on the swimsuit. And I was also the swimsuit designer there as well. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, wow, this is 
crazy. Like I was so, it was literally one of the most frustrating things. And we did another photo shoot with another girl that's like, she's beautiful. And it was, we were trying to like, you know, diversify the models. So they all don't look exactly the same. And then no, no photos from her photo shoot were used as well. And it was really, that's when I was got, had gotten to the point where I'm like, I need to do something on my own because working for this this company that has done so much for me and I've learned so much a hundred percent, but there is just something that working here won't give me. And that's kind of like my sense of like doing good for women and kind of showing women to be confident and love themselves no matter what shape or size they are. And to kind of show that out in social media and on websites. Cause you know, there wasn't a lot like, thank goodness there's more of that you know, every day, I think, you know, in the past like couple of years, especially, but so this was probably like five years ago and it was, yeah, one, probably one of the most frustrating times when I had really, really taken a stand, really like got something going and I'm, you know, to be so excited that we were going to make some movement forward and then to have it all just, you know, come to nothing. It was very frustrating. That's, that's crazy. And it's also interesting. I wonder if that were the case today, how it would be reacted towards. Yeah. Uh, Because in the past fight, I mean, we still have so far to go in terms of, um, how, how companies, um, really exemplify that and just Mm -hmm. their allegiance to diversity but at the same time, um, we've come so far from five yes. years ago as well, too. So, no, so that clearly lit a fire for you that you had to pivot yeah. and, and do something, something for yourself. And so how did mm-hmm. that, yeah, how did that manifest into what you do now? What was kind of the next step that you took? Is, did you just up and leave the company then? Or did you take some time and figure it out? I definitely took time to figure it out. So that was, yeah. So that was kind of like the peak of like, okay, I'm, I need to figure out something like, what can I do? Because what I'm trying to do at this company isn't working. And I'm, and I get it. Like I was not, I'm not the CEO or the president, what have you, you know, I'm, but that's when I also realized like, wow, I don't have the power that I need here to make a difference. So at that point, I really started brainstorming. I actually read, which I don't know, I don't know if you've read this book, The Four Hour Work Week by Timothy Ferris. I just read it like <laughs> ago. That's so funny. It's it's also it's such a good book, but it's funny reading it like it was it was written probably like 15 years ago. And so a lot yes, of it's like a lot definitely- of the, it's, yeah, the tips reading it today, I was like, okay, this does not apply anymore. But yeah, yeah, it's like, a great not work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, so around five years ago, like right around that time, um, someone recommended that book to me, and I read it. And you know, it's not like it's not like you're only going to work four hours a week. That's for sure. You know, right. that's not at all what it's about. But I kind of it kind of just like sparked ideas, um, basically on how how can I get it going. Or, you know, it kind of gave you, it kind of gives you a little bit more confidence. Like, oh my gosh, I can totally do this. Like, cause you know, I was worried about leaving my career and if I want to start a company, like getting the capital for that. And like, mm-hmm. what do I do? So it kind of put more like those, 
financial fears aside. And I really like was, I kind of changed my mentality to be like, okay, I'll, what if, what happens if I do it and it doesn't work out fine, I can get a job somewhere else again. Like, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to go for what I want. So, you know, after kind of like getting over that, like financial mental hurdle of like, how, wait, what? Um, I really started putting a plan into place on like, um, starting my own company and the purpose of my company would be spread self-confidence, self-love, showcase women of all different sizes and shapes. Um, and really, it really was also kind of a personal, um, personal thing because for myself, I'm like, I want, I for myself swimwear that's like super cute, fashionable, cool colors. Like I don't want to have to squeeze into something that's not made for my body. Like I'm a curvier person, so I need maybe thicker straps or, you know, what have you. But I'm like, there is nothing back then, especially like nothing that I wanted from anywhere else that was like still cute and like sexy. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm like, I want amazing tan lines just because I have a curvier body doesn't mean I don't want what anybody else would want, you know, with a swimsuit. So I kind of like, I planned for about a year. It was like a year of planning and putting everything into place and like saving, um, and really digging into like what I wanted my company to be. And then I, I left PacSun, um, in 2018 at the very, very beginning of 2018 and, you know, went to Indonesia and started my company, um, Night Dive Swim. So, um, you started it in, in Indonesia. Yeah. So I, so it's, it's incorporated in the United States and like, I did all like the legal stuff in the United States, but really when I, so I, when I left my PacSun position, um, I came back to Iowa, um, where I grew up and like spent a little time with family. And then I went to Indonesia, um, knowing that there were some swim factories there. Oh, got it. That, sorry. Yeah. I didn't really make that clear, but so there's swim factories there, um, that are, that work with smaller units because obviously starting a company, I'm not going to be you know, meant like thousands and thousands of units. So I knew that there were factories there. Um, I'd re I had done some research and luckily Indonesia is also beautiful. So it worked out perfectly Mm. where let me go to this beautiful place where I can also work basically is kind of what I came up with. So I went there and then met with some factories, found an amazing like ethical place that like treats their employees well. And also that's when I really learned more about sustainable fabrics and all the different recycled swimwear fabric options that there were because I I honestly wasn't very well versed in knowing what was possible with that so kind of I'm glad I was I'm glad I went there because I was able to learn more about that and also all the amazing things that um, Indonesia Bali in particular was where I was at so Bali has no plastic bags like no plastic anything straws are made of cassava their bags are made of cassava which is like a kind of like a root plant like potato kind of shaped plant yeah so everything is made out of that and I'm like wait a minute like it was really inspiring to see kind of the changes they were trying to make of getting out of plastic 
using, you know, different things for packaging. And that's also where I was inspired to, you know, use biodegradable packaging as well, along with recycled fabric. So I was able to learn that when I was there and I launched Night Dive Swim in April of 2018. Um, yeah, I was, I happened wow. to be in Indonesia when I did like the big launch. That is, yeah. that is so cool. What an awesome story. Uh, and so it sounds like just from building a concept while you were still at PacSun and building mm -hmm. a business strategy, you had the idea of a body positive swimwear line and just your mm -hmm. mission behind that, that, um, and everything. But in terms of the eco-consciousness of the brand that didn't really come into play until you were in Bali. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So I, I'm really curious just from a practical standpoint, because yeah. I, I feel like so many people who are thinking about launching a company like this, or just have this dream or this desire, um, are probably sitting here wondering about some of the practical parts of this. And so yeah. you said you, you said you did the business strategy and saved for about a year and then yes. you, you became incorporated in the U S and so yeah. talking about money mindset and, and financial fears and all of these things, what did that actually look like for you? If you're comfortable sharing, yeah. sharing just some practical numbers, like actually saying, all right, this is what I'm going to Bali with. This is, these are the loans that I'm taking out, or this is the, mm -hmm. the capital that I have that I'm willing to invest in this because the, the prices are also different in Indonesia yeah. as well. Yeah. too. And so living Definitely. expenses, what was kind of your plan in going to Bali? Was that going to be just for a short period of time? Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. So it's like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I wish I would have done even better than I had done. Like now I like, I have like, the sales forecast worksheets in Excel and like I have all these amazing tools that I probably could have gotten before I technically launched my business but I was more focused on the business part so I could have done better with my finances the first year a thousand percent but to, I'll tell you how I even started my business um, it was a tip from that book so um, I used my 401k you know I had been working in the fashion industry for like 16 years and thankfully, I had put some money in my 401k. Um, so there is this thing. I, so I used a financial company. They were, they're called Guidant Financial, okay. um, G-U-I-D-A-N-T. So they're a company um, that kind of deals with all these, all the paperwork that needs to go into doing what I did. So I reached out to them and with their help, um, was able to use my 401k as capital to start my business. Um, and the, the way you do that is a lot of paperwork mm -hmm. and you have to be a corporation. You can't, you can't be an LLC. You have to be a corporation. Oh, um, yeah, it's, it's all, and then do all the paperwork with the IRS and like, cause you know, usually if you would take out your money early, you'd get a penalty um, you get charged, you know, it, it's not worth it. So they, um, have a process that's, you know, hundred percent legal that you can get your money out to use as cash capital to start your own business and your own corporation. So I had, I used my 401k to start the business. Um, and simultaneously I saved up, um, I probably let's, I probably gave myself like I would say it's been, okay, a few years. So like 10, I would say 
like $10,000 for each year that you don't know if you're getting paid. I mean, I was living cheap as well. So $10,000 a year to live on yeah. is like not that much. But for myself in my situation where I knew I was going to be in Indonesia, where it's very inexpensive to live, um, like... It's so inexpensive. Yeah. Oh, I can't even like, I'm like, I don't know how to describe it, but like the best meal of the day is like $6, you know? Yeah. So and that's like, you really like are going crazy and getting like a dessert and you right. know, whatever. So, so it's super cheap to live there. Um, staying there is super cheap. The only thing that's expensive is the flight. So I spent like a good chunk of time there. And then I knew like I was able to stay with friends or family. Um, in LA or in Iowa, seeing family here. So um, I really was not, and, and at that point I had no ties to anything. No, I had paid off all my debt mm-hmm. um, for my car, student loan payments, et cetera. So um, really living, living like a very simple lifestyle, which again, it was like very different than, you know, when you're working in the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, but it also really taught me I like, I mean, I used to shop all the time and get the newest whatever. And I really, I'm really glad I, you know, I've done what I've done because it really showed me like, I don't need stuff all the time. Like I want like good stuff or, um, if I'm buying something with a purpose, you know, so I've kind of learned more the value and also with starting my own company where it's, it's slow fashion because it's made ethically with recycled fabric. So, um, I've kind of, I've learned to appreciate and try to do better in that regard as well. So yeah, it's been an interesting process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm also curious coming out of a, just the corporate fashion world into building your own company, your own body positive swimwear company. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced and some of the biggest surprises in, in the first year? of just launching this? Yes. I mean, great question. So I would say, you know, when it's, it's one of those things where I loved being on my own and, you know, this is all on me. It's like every single decision, every single penny that's spent. I mean, it's all on your shoulders, which is like an amazing thing, but also like a very, scary thing too. You know, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing for your company. At the same time, I missed my team that I would talk to every day. And I mean, you know, like at Mm -hmm. Urban Outfitters, you know, even just like having, being surrounded by people that you really care for and are, you know, like are also inspiring and bouncing off ideas of each other. Um, I really missed kind of that like team aspect um, and I still, I mean, I still do because I'm still, you know, obviously still working on my business, but that's what like, luckily, you know, some like you have good friends you can reach out to or email and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? So I try to take advantage of just, you know, a few people in my life that I was, I trust and was able to reach out and ask questions and just, Hey, show them a couple of colors or prints or shapes and see what their mm-hmm. favorites were. So it really is all about, you know, kind of like, having those people in your life still, um, that want to support you as much as you want to get out there and do stuff. It's like great to have that support system, even if you're not 
at a company and have like a team anymore. So that was a huge learning thing. And then I would say the other learning was I really, I wish if there was one thing I could change, I wish I would have maybe learned more about what's available for um, support um, for women, like for small businesses. So I had not done my research really on that. I was just like going for it. And, you know, as a designer, I'm more like thinking aesthetic and like, of course, all the other stuff you have to consider. But, you know, kind of after my first year, I discovered SBA.gov. So the Small Business Association and they have mentors through this um, program called SCORE, um, where you can meet with somebody for free. They're volunteers and they give you business advice. Um, They also give you you know, like a business plan template and sales forecast templates and kind of like your income for the year template. So really there's all these tools out there that I had no clue at all about. I probably could have done more research to figure that out, but I finally discovered them thankfully and they've been amazing. And even, I mean, so I incorporated in Iowa. So growing up in Iowa, my family, everybody's here for my family still. So I always knew that this could be a home base and someone will be around. So while I travel, if I'm gone, um, my mom takes care of shipping out orders, you know? So um, it's been amazing to have, you know, my kind of my corporate like fulfillment center headquarters here. Um, and also because I've cor- incorporated in Iowa, they have amazing programs. So um, a targeted small business um, certificate is I would have received last year. So, um, be a targeted small business. Basically it's referring to if you're female, if it's a female owned business, um, a minority owned business, what have you, there's even more programs that you can learn about and get help from. So really it was kind of that, like, I, I should have reached out for more help to other people rather than just trying to do it all on my own. Um, it's kind of one of those takeaways that I'm like, Ooh, damn. yeah. I, had I known or thought even to like do that kind of scouring of what's available for help, I probably, it could have been, even been like a better first year, you know? Yeah. That's, that's an awesome takeaway. Um, I'm also curious, just being in the body positive industry where Mm -hmm. this is your business now and you're not just putting together a photo shoot for the CEO of a straight size company. Um, What what have been some of the biggest surprises there? Because the way that I'm hearing your story and just seeing it in my mind, it's it's really getting this plan together. It's having all this confidence. It's mission driven. It's passionate. All of these things to really um, amplify body positivity in this niche market. And so actually stepping into that in the fashion industry where you're, you're still kind of swimming up a lot of streams, like a lot of currents. Mm -hmm. What were some of the biggest surprises there, especially just in this industry with, with the work that you're doing? I would say, um, it's one of those things where there's so many, so many good things. And then some things that you're like, like, I'm doing my best. So, you know, the first year, again, it's, you know, starting off as a small business, I offered, um, size small through extra large, which is not that lot big of a size range, but I'm like, I was like so fearful 
full and like did not know how much I could extend my budget because something that I learned, which was the biggest surprise. I mean, I should have, I guess it's one of those things where I could have and should have known, but um, the factory charges more for larger sizes. Mm. So if you, even the size extra large, I have to pay more um, to get it made. And which is just a curious thing. And it's because it's like, they say it's more difficult to work with that fabric, like more fabric, I guess. Um, So that was something that I, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, is this what's holding people back from doing larger sizes? Like, I just, I, it's like one of those things where I'm like, is this why yeah. people don't extend their size? That's is so that what's going on? And then, yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, so, so then this year, um, like I, I didn't even knew that first year. I'm like, this isn't enough, but it's a start. Like mm-hmm. I'm starting and my plan is to extend the size range further next year and then even further the next year. So this year, um, in my second full year of like having a collection, um, I offered sizes small through 3X on my website. And then um, I sold to Aerie. And so they had extra oh, small amazing. through 3X on their website. So yeah, so that, so this was the second year of selling to them on their, on, on their website as well. So the um, going up to 3X was like a great step. And yet I still want to do more. Um, but, and then at that point was where I really started thinking, you know, a lot of companies, as I am purchasing things, they're, the plus sizes are more expensive than just the, the size small through large sizes. And I'm, I made a very serious decision when I'm like, I do not want to, just because someone is a size two X, I'm not charging them $5 more for their swimsuit, you know? So I made this decision to be like, I would rather lose, not lose money, but you know, I'd rather like make less and have people pay the same price, no matter what size they are. Because I mean, in some way that's like such a, like such a weird thing to me to have someone have to pay more for their, the same swimsuit as a size small. I think it's insane that that's a thing. Like I get like your fab, there's more fabric, whatever, but it's not enough to make such a difference. And also that's just a way to kind of make a plus size person just feel different again, you know, where I'm like, it's all, it doesn't matter your size, like whatever size you are. It's just like this crazy thing. So kind of like, you know, when doing like a lot of market research, I kept seeing that and I'm like, why? Like, it's just crazy. Um, yeah, so that was just another huge thing. Yeah, I, I love that you brought this up. I actually just, I, I cannot remember where I heard this interview, but I just heard another interview where they were talking about the same thing, essentially just having to pay more uh, for the manufacturing process and just the extra yeah. fabric and that that really increasing the prices of um, clothing at larger sizes. And so that kind of throwing a wrench in the market for, uh, more diversity in that, in that range. Yeah. So I'm curious as a, as an advocate in this, in this industry and a mission driven business to, to really diversify these sizes, what, what do consumers need to be more conscious of? Where can we do our part, no matter what size we are, um, mm-hmm. where can we really step up and, and step in to, to change this? Well, I really think it's, I feel like when you're shopping for yourself, 
I would just pay attention to even what sizes that company offers because there are so many times I, I think something's super cute. I go and it only goes to a size large. And then I go and I research more and I'm like, why do they only offer size like large? And then just like a strange thing I saw on like a, it was a commercial or a website, something um, the other day, it was so strange to me how it was. So the brand, and then they said they offer women's men's kids and plus size. So it was like a completely separate thing. And I'm like, but plus women, it should just be in women. I'm like, it's not separate entity. And so it's like these little kind of little things out there that is like in people's subconscious or what have you. But I think it's just pay attention to more of that. Um, and then just see, um, who is offering more and, you know, showing women that aren't photoshopped, showing unretouched photos, and then share those, like, I would say, sharing and spreading a word about those companies um, is like the best thing. Like, rather than putting other companies down, I would just say, as you find these things, these companies, or what whatever it is, as you find these things, just share them, and, you know, try to build them up. And um, spread the word. And, you know, I think that's like the easiest thing that people can do. I love Um, that. That's such a great, that's such a great action item. And I I think that's a question that a lot of, a lot of people in this community will be curious about, Hey, whatever size I am, where can I do my part? Where can I really make Mm -hmm. a difference? Um, and use my voice to, to change, to change this system of oppression, essentially it is a some of oppression. So what are some businesses that you really look up to? Where, where some, who are some companies that you feel like are doing it really well right now that you would recommend just taking a look at if, if people yeah. haven't already? Well, I would say, so, um, Besides a your- few that I've, I've like <laughs> looked up to, so, you know, so Savage by Fenty, Rihanna, I think, um, what she has done is amazing. Not only are, you know, she incorporates one of my favorite dance choreographers to to do her runway things, but, um, on her website now she's showing plus size men and, you know, she's shown, she's shown plus size women, you know, for a while now and offered a size range and shown actual unretouched photos of women. And then now just the pat like the last couple weeks is I think when the photos were finally uploaded onto their, her website, but showing like when you see there's an extra large for men, there's a man that's also like more of an extra large full size guy rather than showing the chiseled abs of like, you know, what the standard would normally be that they would show on websites. So I think that's another important thing is not only, you know, body positive for women, but also, you know, body positive for men. I love that. Absolutely. You know, to that because they have the, they go through the same thing. So they Savage Fenty, amazing. I would say um, another a swimmer brand that I have always thought was really rad and did a great job of showing women of all different sizes and shapes and what have you um, is Chromat. So um, they're New York based. Um, super kind of fashion forward looking swimwear. They're the ones, um, they had a runway show where this, um, that each, some of the models were wearing this like white t-shirt that said, this is my, like, this is a sample size or something about it being a sample size. So if you're not in the fashion industry, 
just a note is sample size is usually a size small or medium. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought it was cool that this company was like, you know, showcasing women of all different sizes. Like, Hey, I am a sample size too, basically is kind of what they were saying. So really like disruptive in the industry, especially on the fashion, like in a fashion show runway. So Chromat, um, Savage by Fenty, you know, I thought, I think Aerie, are, I think they're the ones that kind of kicked it off with their airy real campaign that they started mm-hmm. quite a few years ago. Um, yeah. Women like unretouched um, women with like uh, uh, colonoscopy bags. Like I think like what they've done is really great um, to normalize kind of all sorts of women um, shapes and also of abilities, you know? So I think, yeah. I think that what they've done has been pretty great as well. So I would say those are my like kind of top three that I've looked at um, to be inspiring even to me. I love that. And then I have another question around this. Let's, where can we do our part to change or to, to really make our voice heard for companies that haven't made that shift yet? Is it writing letters? Is it reaching out online? Is it writing reviews and asking and demanding for different sizes? Is it like almost from a a political and, and advocacy sense or activism sense? I would say, what's our part? I mean, I would say, I would say reviews, um, if they have a company email like available on their website, otherwise good old social media, um, you know, kind of mentioning them, like asking questions, direct messaging. Mm -hmm. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't always be guaranteed a response back, but I think, um, that's a lot of that happens from social media, um, which is great. Like I had posted something, I mean, we mentioned this right before we started uh, kind of talking on here, but um, the censorship I had happening on Instagram with my plus size women photos in swimwear. So I yeah, happened what, to, yeah. What, what is, what is Instagram censorship first of all, before we yeah. get to this? Because okay. yeah, just, okay. just share for, for myself and for everybody listening to. What's happened? Okay. So basically, um, what has happened is, so, you know, I have a business Instagram for Night Dive Swim. Um, and please they- follow it. It's the best. It's, it's full <laughs> of fun. And, and the swimmer is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and there, so I had this email, um, about creating this, you know, kind of, it's like an easier way to shop for customers because, you know, of course, if someone's on Instagram and they can just click and buy your product directly on there without having to be like taken to your website, it's less steps and less steps equals better turnout for getting sales. And in the end, like I need sales to continue my mission of spreading self-confidence. So, you know, that's important to me. So I was like, Oh, an Instagram shop. This is amazing. I will totally upload and like, you know, you have to kind of fill out some information to have an Instagram shop on your um, Instagram profile. So I had done all of that, um, entered in all this information um, on my Shopify. I, so my website is through Shopify, Got which it. is a platform for selling. So um, entered all this information on my Shopify platform that took, it took like a couple hours. And then 20 minutes after I finished, all of a sudden on my Night Dive Instagram, I had like 22 notifications 
saying that my product is not approved. Product is not approved. Product is not approved. Basically over and over for every single thing that I had like loaded up onto the Instagram shop. And when you click on it, it tells you that your product's not approved. Would you like to request a review? So you click on that. And the next screen it took, it took me to was basically the product and then the reasoning for why it wasn't approved. And every single product that I had on there was not approved because of overtly sexualized positioning oh or o- being overtly sexual. And that like literally blew my mind because each of my photos, like if, if you go to the website or my Instagram, you'll see like, uh, I would say like 99.9% of the photos are just women standing in their swimsuit. Everything is covered. It's not even, yeah. they're not skimpy swimsuits by at all. Um, and they're just positioned like any other person would be, any other size woman would be standing in a swimsuit. So I immediately was so like taken aback. I think I was just like in complete shock. I did not know what to do um, when I saw that was the case for each of them. And then I, I did like a poll on my Instagram um, just asking like, do, do you guys think this photo is overtly sexual? Because I was like, maybe I'm not seeing something. And like, I like to kind of, you know, reach out to customers, followers and see, you know, like get a little bit of feedback. And then that's when I really started learning more about Instagram censoring and taking down a lot of plus size bodies. Um, that someone suggested that there's an algorithm that can see how much skin is showing and then like, t- you know, takes the photo down or, you know, makes it unseen, what ha- whatever you want to call it. So, and of course, if you're plus size, you're there, you're going to probably have more skin and more skin is showing. So it was something that really like, really started driving me to really figure this out even more and not understand why, like, why Instagram is is doing this in general, but just the stories I heard from a lot of women responding to me, um, kind of really drove me, um, to try to figure this out and dig down deep. So really, um, I had requested a review through all the, um, all the products that were not approved. Um, from there I started like posting on the Instagram stories, like showing what's happening and even like asking Instagram, like why, like, please explain why. And I'm, you know, I was just really starting to try to like be disruptive in a way that could get some attention to see, like, get down to the bottom of this, you know? Mm -hmm. So luckily a woman, um, who's a news anchor in Florida, she's like a friend of a friend and she, uh, the friend of mine had reposted that story and she had seen the friend's story. Um, and she did, um, an interview with me for her like Facebook live. And we talked about that. And then she started reaching out to Instagram and trying to get some answers, which really like in the end, I had some products approved because, you know, I think maybe they, you know, gave into approving some things, but really in the end, they never gave any information on why, or, you know, and I think it's obviously they're avoiding that conversation um, of 
being called out for censoring plus size bodies, but um, I learned a lot more about how that's happening to a lot of women, um, which is pretty, pretty crazy and frustrating. Um, so that's kind of something that's been driving me lately is trying to um, kind of break that and see like what we can do to make sure that that doesn't happen because it happens besides me being a small business um, that, and that's very, it doesn't work. Like that's not helpful for me at all to have like this big Instagram, like whoever's the person behind the Instagram thing, like censoring what my content is to be someone posting their own personal photos. Um, and yeah. then that being taken down, that's, I feel like even more frustrating and like, and terrible and hurtful to, you know, women that are plus size or, and men, you know, if, yeah, whoever this is happening to, it's just something we need to break basically. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that we're talking about this. So just, and I know that you're digging into to the research and really trying to get answers right now, but is there anything that you've learned so far in your search that you can share with us in how we can support this, this mission for change and really disrupt this in a way that, um, that just changes the system in general? Like what can, what can I do? What can the listeners do to really yeah. get behind and support this? Um, I would say it's, you know, again, it's the sharing, like when you see that happening or if someone's like saying that that's happening to them, like share their story. Um, because that's honestly how I was able to get anything, like any small bit of change happening. Mm. Um, so I would say sharing stories of people that these things are happening to. There actually happens to be this woman. Um, I don't know. So her name's Neom, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Neom Nicholas, um, her Instagram handle is Curvy Neom. Mm -hmm. She actually, um, the same thing, something similar was happening to her around the same time that my, my stuff was getting flagged. Um, she had posted a personal picture of herself. Um, she happens to be, so she happens to be curvy, woman of color, and she was, you know, completely covered, but like topless, but covered. Mm -hmm. And she was, I'm, I'm so happy that like she had come out with her story and had someone else, I don't know if it was the photographer, who exactly it was that helped kind of share her story. And it got a lot of recognition. Um, and Instagram started changing their policies because of that. So I think it's just, again, it's like, so yeah, so they changed their policies that if someone is covering themselves and not being overtly sexual and topless, then now it's fine. Mm -hmm. So, but that was after a lot of ruckus around this. Yeah. So it's one of these things where change is not happening unless there's really a lot of ruckus and uproar um, coming from that. So, so good. It's hard when you're just one person and she had someone help advocate for her. So I think it's advocating for these brands that you see being um censored or you know like lost in the algorithm you know what have you so I'd say like sharing like commenting on people's things is something that helps um I I was like tagged in a few things where a woman had been um kind of shadow banned is another word that has come up a yeah. lot so so yeah, and so it's one of those things where <laughs> so like, annoying. It's so crazy. So I think like helping each other out and supporting each other by like commenting, sharing, bringing attention, tagging 
tagging people, um, like, I, I mean, I tag multiple people had shared my story and tagged Instagram asking why, and we want answers mm. and not a, not a ton of change happened from it, but a little bit did. And I think it's like the more we do to support each other and, you know, yeah, you people advocating for you to even make a diff, like a little bit of a difference. So yeah, we do it better. I love that. And it, it's so true. Just the more powerful and the more consistent that we are together, the, I mean, that's really going to create change. I love this. I love this tip. It's such a strong action item. And it also really, um, speaks to something that I talk about a lot in terms of just cleaning up our social media feeds and really making sure that what you're choosing to spend your time looking at and browsing on your feed or searching in the hashtags is, is diverse and shows yeah. an array of different body, body shapes and sizes and abilities and colors. Definitely. And, yeah. you know, it, it really, like, I, I'd be curious on how you feel about this too, but I think that that's one of the most powerful steps that we can take if we're just starting in this advocacy yeah. journey of, hey, what am I actually choosing? Who am I choosing to follow? Um, yes. And how can I create more diversity there? And then building in this step that you're encouraging us to do of mm-hmm. getting behind and amplifying those stories, amplifying those voices. Yes. And if you feel, if you don't feel as bold to do that, even just leaving a comment or a like on the stories mm-hmm. that are really speaking into this. So, yeah. um, Ooh, I'm so fired up. I did not expect <laughs> this to be like, I know it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, there's, it's, there's so many little challenges that, I mean, not little, there's so many challenges. And I think like, what's funny is the answer is always like supporting each other and helping each other, everybody, you know? So yeah. I mean, I, I honestly was like, so taken aback, um, happily and so surprised that all the support that I had received um, when I started posting about, you know, my product getting taken down because of those photos being deemed overtly sexual. Like I heard from so many, so many people and so many people shared the story and, um, I couldn't be more grateful. Like I really, it really kind of reminded me again, like why I'm doing this, you know, yeah. and it's making change. And ev- and every day, any day that I get even like a message from some, someone saying, I wore a bikini for the first time in 20 years. And like, I loved myself because of this, like all these, like even just getting a message like that, I'm like, Oh, this is why I'm doing this. And then to see people supporting, it's like, it really ignites, reignites like the fire every day. Um, and just pushes me to, you know, try harder. And I, I, you know, I'm a business that's like selling swimwear, but, um, but really like the purpose is to, you know, make, you know, women, females like feel empowered and love themselves and be confident and wear that freaking bikini if you want to, like, who cares how old you are, what size you are. Like, it's, it's one of these things where I'm like, gosh, like, like, I just want everybody to like love themselves as much as humanly possible. Mm. 
I love that so much, Heather. And I feel like the energy that you put into your clothes, like, I don't know how you could feel bad wearing anything that you design and create because it's just (laughs) full of love and happiness and confidence and just all of these good vibes. And I just can't wait for everybody to get to experience that for themselves and follow you and and get to know you. I have one more question that I have to ask you that is going to kill me if I don't ask it on, (laughs) on this interview. So uh, you're human, obviously, and I'm sure that you do have days where you're like, okay, my confidence is not at a 10 today. So what do those days look like when you do have a bit of a dip or a bit of a setback? And how do you actually take care of yourself and get back to just your regular confidence? Yeah. That is like such a good question. So I, okay, so those days... Thankfully, like they don't happen often, but when they do, I, I, so let's say, yeah, let's say there's something about myself that I'm like, like not feeling, yeah, not feeling hundred percent confident in. I immediately like pivot into what I do love. Like there are days I, this will sound ridiculous, but I have literally looked in the mirror and been like, Oh, my booty's getting too small. I better eat some chocolate or, you know, like, or, you know, like just find something that you're like, Oh, I love this. I'm going to treat myself to something. So like my treats are peppermint patties or, um, macaroni and cheese. Like if there's days that I'm like, Oh, I need like a little extra little love hug of like Mm -hmm. some little treat. And then also like my favorite thing in the world that immediately makes me feel like back to my normal, like 100% self is being outside. I am like a sun baby and you totally are. Yeah. I just like, if I'm outdoors and in the sunshine, preferably obviously at the ocean or like, you know, something, something outside I, and, or like, and I'm, I play tennis. So banging a tennis ball against a backboard, you know, like something like that just brings that kind of like, makes you kind of reset. So, um, so I'd say really, and then I can bring up dance as well. So dancing is one of my favorite things in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when, as I'm telling you these things, the thing they have in common is kind of like you lose yourself in those. Mm -hmm. So you kind of like, you can't overthink while you're dancing and playing tennis, really. Like you're in that moment. So finding something where you can be a hundred percent in the moment and forget about all the noise Mm -hmm. that might be kind of distracting you from really like where you want to be. That's kind of my self care, like reset, you know, I don't, you know, I don't really do a lot of, like, I mean, I love a facial, but you know, that kind of stuff I love, but I think mine is just like losing yourself in the moment, whether it's dance, tennis, being outdoors, like swimming in the ocean, whatever it is, like lose yourself. So then when you come back, you've reset and you're back on track again. I I love that so much, so much. (laughs) <laughs> I'm such a, a cheerleader for radical self-care and that is such an awesome example of it. You are just a big ball of energy and life and confidence and joy and I want everybody in this world to know you and I just oh, adore you. you and where can everybody connect with you and just buy your products and get to know you and support your mission and and um, yeah, tell us all the things. Thank you so much. So yeah, so 
Instagram. The handle is Night Dive Swim. Um, my website is nightdiveswim.com. Um, if you want to see fun personal stuff like tennis and dance, um, my Instagram is get down Heather Brown. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is, because hello dancing. <laughs> um, and yeah, and same like on Facebook, there's a night dive swim page. But I would say the Instagram is a great place to start. Um, you know, I only unretouched photos and positivity. Um, and of course, you know, when there's issues like the censoring that comes up as well, um, and, you know, pushing forward and being actively, um, actively seeking, you know, the best for women, um, of all, all shapes and sizes. Love. So yeah, those are like a couple places to find me. And I'm so thankful that you had me on your podcast and I hope everybody, um, you know, like takes away a little something from this. And oh my God, you dropped so much, so many quick <laughs> tips and takeaways. And I just really appreciate how transparent you are about everything and, and how practical you are about what we can do to really change the system and just come together during all mm -hmm. of this too and support each other as women too. So I just adore you. Thank you so much. And we'll have to have you back on for more fun. Yeah. That's our show. Thank you to our producer, Stephanie Olea, our show manager, Shayla Anderson, and our incredible guest. If you want to stay connected and learn more about our guest today, click the show notes of this episode. And if this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend or leave a review so that we can continue to destigmatize these important conversations around our relationship with food and body and spread inspiration to more women. One last thing, please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can save time and stay on top of each new episode every week. I'm sending you so much love, confidence, and strength. Talk to you soon.